0: Hey there, Heritage friends, family, and guests. We are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us here today. No matter how you're connecting or tuning in, maybe you're checking us out on TV, maybe you're online, or maybe you're listening to this at a later date. No matter how you're connecting here, we are glad that you have chosen to worship with us. And we want to thank you. Many of you are partners with us and support this ministry and allow these types of programs to come to you through TV and through online and beyond. So thank you for your partnership as you've walked along the journey with us. Here at Heritage, this time of year, we always step into river baptism. And it is a great, great celebration. We do baptism services kind of throughout the year as well. But river baptism is a unique time and expression for our church. Uh, People walk from the sandy shores onto the rocks, into the muddy banks of the Rock River, and we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is such a, a significant and sacred moment for so many. And so we're gonna be celebrating that this weekend, but you'll be able to see some of the highlights of that here on this program over the next couple of weeks as well. So make sure to be looking for that. As we step towards uh, worship here this morning, we're gonna begin with a time of song. And this is not any different for us, but the song that we're gonna be beginning our time with is called The Joy of the Lord. And I'm reminded of Psalm 51 as we step into this song. Now Psalm 51 is written by a guy named David, who you may be familiar with or not. This is the same David of David and Goliath, but this is a little later in his life after he's kind of messed up in a number of different ways. He actually fell in love with another woman's, uh, man's wife, and then had that man killed so that he could take that woman as his own wife. So yeah, he kinda got a little sideways. And, but somebody came to him, confronted him about that bad choice, and he came to God and said, I need forgiveness. And so God, would you please forgive me? And so this is what he says. We get to listen in to his prayer to God when he says create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And he says restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So he asks for forgiveness and asks for the joy of the Lord to continue to come back into his life and so that would sustain him and give him strength to move forward. But it's not just for him. And listen what he says as he continues. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. So save me from this guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing your praise. Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. So the joy that God gives to him, restores to him, is not only for him but it's so that he can love and serve those around him. So today, as we sing this song, as we say that phrase, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I hope it's a reminder for you that the joy of the Lord is your strength today, but it's not just for you. That strength is so that you can love and serve your family, your friends, those around you towards the love of Christ. So let's worship together.
1: joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness I dance, in the shadows I sing. The joy of the Lord is my strength.
2: Though the tears may fall, though the tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to You. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to You. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise You, Lord. Though the waters rise, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to You in your presence now I come alive I am alive in you. strength when I say I
1: will praise you Lord yeah. the joy of the Lord is my strength the joy of the Lord is my strength in the darkness I'll dance in the shadows i see sing the joy He's my
2: strength Though the tears may fall My song will rise My song will rise to you Though my heart may fail My song will rise My song will rise to you While there's breath in my lungs I will praise you Lord oh, the waters Though the waters rise I lift my eyes I lift my eyes to you In your presence now I'm alive. I am alive in You.
1: There is strength when I say, I will praise You, Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness, I dance. In the shadows, I sing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness I dance, in the shadows I sing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah Hallelujah Oh, hallelujah The joy of the Lord is my strength Oh, we say, hallelujah I'll dance in the shadows, I'll see the joy of the Lord. Fall like lightning And I saw darkness run for cover But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven And I believe in signs and wonders I have resurrection power But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven Yeah, my praise belongs to you forever This is my testimony from death to life Whose grace rewrites my story I testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony This is my testimony Come together sons and daughters Bought with blood and washed with water Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father, our God We'll finish what he started Yes our God will'll finish what he started This is my testimony from death to life cause Grace wrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'll justify This is my testimony This is my testimony Not dead and you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead and you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead and you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Dead and you're not done Greater things are still to come Who oh, I believe yeah. This is my testimony From death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony, oh I'm alive This is my testimony, from death to life Chris Prince rewrote my story I testify By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified This is my testimony, this is my testimony
3: sun starts to break
4: And we've already mentioned this, but we are incredibly excited to see at least 19 individuals step into the waters of baptism at our River Baptism event this weekend. This is cause for tremendous celebration because it means that each of these individuals has opened up their hearts to the love and grace of Jesus, and each are declaring their desire to continue to be transformed by Him and to, to follow Him. So we thought it would be good and appropriate to pray over this group of people asking God to bless this time of sacrament, and that this moment of public commitment would set a, a great trajectory of faith and followership long into the future. So let's let's join together and pray. Dear God, we thank you for the gift of sacrament, and, and particularly the sacrament of baptism, which is a, a beautiful way for us to identify in both your suffering and your resurrection. It's a sacred moment of belonging and solidarity. And so, Lord, we wanna just lift up each person who's getting baptized by their first name. We ask that you would be with Tracy and Jacob and Michelle, Ashlyn, Deborah, Brian, Lewis, Lana, Shelly, Cameron, Savannah, Silas, Taylor, Samantha, Marcia, Larson, Mario, Abigail, and Kristen. And Lord, we just ask that you would hold each of these individuals in your hand. May this be the starting point of a journey of discovery and love a journey of transformation and hope. May each of these individuals fall deeper and deeper in love with you. May they find comfort and purpose in your word. May they be daily reminded that you are raising them to a new life of grace. Sustain them, O Lord, in your Holy Spirit. Give each of them the courage and the will to persevere persevere through life's most difficult moments. Give them the passion to know and love you. Give each of them great joy, and for them to continue to just be awestruck at your goodness and the strength of your mighty hand. Lord, I would also pray for us as a church, right, that, that, Lord, you would help us surround each of these brothers and sisters with great support and love. May we only amplify the love and grace that they've already found in you. Guide and protect all of us, O Lord. We pray in your mighty name. Amen.
0: I started to notice the problem one day when I walked outside and I saw my neighbor's new car. That was a real wake-up call for me. Who knew that inside that small box was the very thing I had been looking for this whole time? The illusion of having everything that I want.
2: I used to ask my friends how their kids were so well behaved. Now my friends are coming to me with the same question,
3: but I'll never tell.
5: Why
0: see life for what it is, when you can see it through the life filter?
5: Hey, Heritage. It is so great to be with you. I'm just excited about this opportunity I have and that we have to join this time together. Now, I have a question for you. When you travel, would you consider yourself a light packer, kind of a a minimalist? Or would you consider yourself to be someone that basically takes everything, including the kitchen sink? Like, what would describe you? For instance, when you go camping, I don't know, maybe you love to go camping, maybe you loathe going camping. I, I'm personally not a camper. I, I don't know why anyone would want to pretend for four or five days that they're homeless. That just doesn't sound like a great time to me, but but my wife and my girls love camping. And so because of that, I go camping. But when I go camping with my wife and with my girls, uh, I'll just tell you, we don't want for anything. I'm sure my neighbors laugh hilariously when they watch us take 47 trips from our house out to the rented camper that we've rented for the weekend or for the week or whatever it is. And the great thing about it is, is that my wife cooks delicious food throughout the time. Camp food is just awesome from her, uh, as is her normal food, I should say. But also, we never, we never say to ourselves, oh, we left that at home. That never happens to us. It just, it just doesn't happen. What about when you go on a trip? I'm wondering, do you know what one of these are? This is actually a luggage scale. Have you ever had to use one? I am not all that proud of this, but I have to tell you that I have to use one basically every time I go. Every single time I go on a trip, I'm basically pulling one of those out and using it. Why? I don't know. I just don't know. I I guess I'm always kind of thinking that I want to plan for any contingency and anything that... I just think I might need. Um, I I travel a fair amount, and whenever I travel, I always take a backpack with me. That's just kind of my deal. I, I take a backpack. Now, I want you to know I haven't done anything special to this backpack. I haven't added anything that I don't normally travel with. So I just thought it'd be kind of fun for us to look at a normal backpack experience for Chris Conrad. Again, I didn't add anything to this. So this is my little computer bag. This is what my computers and my... Uh, iPads and that kind of stuff are in. And then if you go to the next little pocket, here's uh, my Bible. Here's a couple of books that I'm reading. Uh, here's a, here, here's uh, an, an old school uh, notebook, just in case I want to write anything down. Here's uh, the stationery that I travel with, with some stamps in it. I don't even know what this folder is for. Um, so there we go. Oh, oh, and then one of the things you're going to figure out is that I am into sound. Like I love good sound. So if I'm going to be gone for any period of time whatsoever, I'm taking a little tiny Bose speaker with me everywhere. That's just who I am. So there you go. And this little sucker is heavy. So, okay, that's that's just two That's just two pockets. I, I, I won't go through them all. I don't want to bore you. But here are every kind of computer cord or audio cord that I might use. Just in case I want to hook up my computer to a television, um, I've got... All kinds of, you know, here's an HDMI cable. Here's something for a whole bunch of USB ports. Now, again, I'm carrying this every, here's a here's a portable mouse. Uh, I, I mentioned that I love, that I absolutely love, like, great sound, right? So here, I'm going to, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, right here. This is uh, another set of Bose, but th- this is in-ear. So they go on for when I run, all that kind of stuff. And honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll stop boring you now. But that just gives you a taste. And I've still got another probably 10 or 15 pounds worth this stuff in there. Now, when we think about that kind of stuff, it, it can be a little funny at times. I mean, it's just like, okay, Chris, you're, you need to learn how to be much more lean in yourself. And, and I probably do. It's one thing when we have to pay extra money for an extra weight on our bags or, or we have to make sure that we're under that 50-pound limit. That's one thing. But here's another question to ask. How much baggage are you carrying through life? How much baggage are you carrying as you walk through your daily routines in life? Because here's what I know, and here's what I believe. I believe that many of us are carrying extra weight in our souls. Weight that the Heavenly Father does not intend for us to carry, weight that is actually slowing us down and keeping us from all that the Father has for us. You know, we're in this series right now, and we've been talking about families. And what I know, and what I'm sure you know as well, is that many of us are carrying weight from the family of origin that we come from. We picked up weight from that. And I just have to tell you, it is so incredibly easy to pick those things up. Let me give you an example. Do you remember when you were a kid and your parents, it could be your dad or your mom, either one, do you remember when they said something or did something and in the back of your spirit you said, I'm never going to do that. Like when I get older, I'm never going to do that. And then you grow up and you become an adult and what do you find yourself doing? The very thing you said you'd never do. I'll never forget Growing up as a kid, my parents went to church a lot. And so because of that, they would, my mom was what they used to call the accompanist. She played the piano in this very large church that I grew up in. So we'd have to be at church at like 7.30 on a Sunday morning. And when it finally came after church was all over and we were heading home about 12.30, my dad was gracious enough and he didn't want her to have to go home or him to have to go home and make anything for lunch. And so as a result of that, we'd always go out to eat after church on Sunday. But here was the weekly routine. I'm not, I'm not making this up. This happened every week of my entire existing life growing up. We'd get in the car and my dad would look at my mom and he'd say, Miriam, where do you wanna go to lunch? And my mom would look right back at him and say, Roy, I don't care, where do you wanna go? I don't care, Miriam, wherever you wanna go, you've had a long morning. Roy, I don't, and they would go on and a fight would ensue every single time. Fast forward, I'm a pastor. My wife sings on the worship team. We had to get to church at 7.30 in the morning. We get in our little car after church was over. I would turn to my wife, Mary. Mary, where do you want to go for lunch? I don't care. Oh my gosh, it started again. Now, that's kind of funny when you're talking about lunch plans. It's a whole nother issue when the things that you saw modeled in front of you were actually destructive in nature. And again, so many of us are carrying those around because many of us are living what I call an unexamined life. We've never kind of taken a time out. We've never taken a half time to kind of get aside, to kind of look at our lives from an outside perspective, if you will, almost out of, have an out-of-body experience, if you will, for just a moment, and look at our lives and ask ourselves the question, is the way that I'm living this life actually the most helpful way, the best way, the way that God has created me to live it? And what I want to encourage us to do for just a few brief moments today is to actually examine our life based on, based on our family of origins and the things that we picked up. Because if we're not proactive, we can end up passing on the things to the next generation that should not be passed on. Things that were passed on to us that we should not pass on to others. The Bible talks a lot about that. And many people have ended up calling it generational sin. Sin that just passes on from one generation to another. You know, there's a guy in the Old Testament by the name of David. And David in many ways was a a great guy. But he had one flaw, at least. And that was, is that he couldn't keep his thought life in check and he couldn't keep his action life as it related to acting out with his thought life. So he ends up having an affair with a woman by the name of Bathsheba. And that one act had a disastrous impact on David's life. Now, God was still able to use him. God forgave him. There was mercy. There was grace because David had a repentant heart, which was key. But that one act, man, it brought just all kinds of fury into David's life. Well, eventually, David and this woman Bathsheba had a son. His name was Solomon. And Solomon grows up, and Solomon follows in the exact same footsteps as his dad in this series. As a matter of fact, if you will, let me read a little bit from 1 Kings, in the Old Testament, chapter 11. King Solomon loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, who was his first wife. He talks about the women that he loved. Moabite women, Ammonite, Enamites, Sinaiites, Hittites, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your heart after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had—can you imagine? This is just crazy to me. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives and his wives led him astray. Can I just tell you? Now I've been married to the same woman for almost 31 years. It takes everything I've got to try and make one woman happy. I can't imagine having 700. That's just out of my, out of my radar. Absolutely. But here's the sad thing: as if there weren't enough sad things already. As Solomon grew old. His wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of his father David had been before he had this affair with Bathsheba. He followed the goddess of the Siddiates and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely. Now again, what happened there is that David had an issue in his life that he didn't get under control. And so he passed it on to his son, Solomon. See, the sad thing about it is, is that many times, if we live an unexamined life, we'll end up passing things on to our kids that God doesn't want passed on to them. There are some wonderful things about you that, that God would love to have passed on to your kids. But there are some other things he'd rather not. And what's sad about the David and Solomon story is that because of Solomon's decision, it literally cost, and you can read it yourself, it literally cost millions of people either their lives or the destinies that God had for them. Because after Solomon was, was done being king, the entire nation of Israel was torn in two. And because of that, there are many people who ended up just forgetting God and going off their own way. And again, that generational sin that I talked about a few minutes ago, just continued. If I can, let me just read you a couple of verses out of 2 Kings and 1 Kings. Jehoiakim did evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father had done. His father in his father's footsteps. Ahaziah served and worshiped Baal and aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, just as his father had done. But you know the cool thing? The flip side of that was true as well. Second Kings chapter 15. Azariah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. See, here's what's interesting. The most natural thing for us to do is to do what we saw modeled before us, in front of us. Whatever our parents did, that's what what becomes natural and normal for us. And that's why it's so important for us to examine our lives and the environment that we grew up in and ask ourselves, how has my life been impacted by that? And now, now what is God's invitation to me based on what I grew up in? So I'm gonna take that kind of mindset of, okay, what's true about me because of the home I grew up in and what is the Holy Spirit in inviting me to do as a result of that? I'm gonna take that kind of thought and I'm just gonna go through a couple of areas in my own upbringing in hopes that there'll be some leaning to, I, I don't want this to be boring at all, I, I think it will be interesting and maybe even comical a little bit along the way. Now, my mom and dad met when my dad was 23 and my mom was 14. My dad was in the uh, Navy, and he was based in San Diego, and that's where my mom grew up, in San Diego, California. And my dad came to an event. Uh, it was actually a, a Christian event called Youth for Christ, and he, got, he, opened, he just walked into this room, and there was this young gal who looked older than she was playing the piano, and she was playing the piano for all the music that they were to do that night, and that, that young girl ended up being my mom. So that's how they met. My dad actually didn't find out how old my mom was until they went to get a wedding certificate and uh, my mom couldn't sign it because she wasn't 16 yet. True story. Now that probably clues you in to a little bit of, um, of, of my dad and, and who he was. But my dad grew up in this, what I would call a, a, a very emotionally distant home. He had fine parents, but everybody in that home was just emotionally distant. My mom grew up in a very abusive home where she was abused in many different ways. And so you put these two people together, and I just have to tell you, they walked into their marriage with overweight baggage in their souls. Like if their soul would have had had some kind of scale, it would have been screaming, Overweight, overweight, overweight. And given their, given their background, ah, oh, what they should have done as soon as they got married, if they, if they got married is they should have come together and said, oh my goodness, we need to get someone we need to go with someone who's got some wisdom. We've got to figure out this marriage thing because they just fought. There was so much damage. Can I can I tell you what I think the Holy Spirit was inviting them to do? many, 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 many years ago, I think he was inviting them to respond differently than they did. See, if our marriage struggles, the answer is not to give up, but to get wisdom. Every marriage is going to struggle every once in a while, and the answer is not to give up, but to get wisdom. That's why the message paraphrase talks about this in Proverbs 4, verse 7. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. In today's vernacular, I would say, go see a great Christian counselor. Go see someone that can help you navigate the difficult conversations that you're trying to have, but you're not getting anywhere with. Please sit down. Can I tell you, my wife Mary and I, we have sat down for probably throughout 31 years almost of marriage, hundreds and hundreds of hours Of Counseling just to make sure that our marriage could be all that it could be and because of the stuff that we brought in Now I I know what's happening right now is some of you men are thinking. I'm not gonna go to counseling never I'm not gonna do that Guys Can I ask you a question? Why would you watch a YouTube video on how to fish? Better Why would you watch a YouTube video on how to fix your car? Last week, literally, I watched a YouTube video on how to fix my washing machine, and it worked. Why would we do that? Why would we seek wisdom to fix a mechanical thing, and we wouldn't seek wisdom to make our marriage everything that it can be? I wanna encourage you, please, let's have the humility to do what I think Holy Spirit was inviting my parents to do in that moment, which was seek wisdom, get some help. It's not your fault, Roy, that you grew up in this emotionally distant home. It's not your fault, Miriam, that you grew up in this home that was very abusive. But now, if you're not careful, you're gonna pass all that on to your kids unless you get some wisdom. So get it. And if your marriage is struggling, please don't sit there and just struggle and struggle. Get some help. Go to someone who is gifted with discernment and get some help. Number two, the second thing that I think that God was trying to teach my parents is that he uses our marriage partner to shape us into more of his image. Now, here's the thing. I think so many of us think that God wants us happy. And that's true. He is interested in our our joy factor and to some degree our happiness factor. But I have to tell you, God is actually even more interested in our holiness, in our ability to be more like him. And here's what's interesting. He uses our spouse to help bring that about. He does. If you're married, he'll use your spouse to help bring about the work that he wants to do in your life. Now, I just tell you, there are times when we just absolutely grate against that. We say, ah, God, can you choose someone else? But the truth of the matter is, is that God wants to use those people that are so close to us, because when he does that, the lessons go deeper and the change is greater. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. My responsibility is to love Mary. See, we all know that in school there's class time and then there's lab time at least in non-COVID times, right? There's lab time. Well, can I just say there's time in God's word that we need to spend in his word, but then there's the lab time and our marriage is that lab time. It's that time when that is worked out in our lives. I have to say, in the home that I grew up in, my dad, he was an incredible servant. He really was. He served in a really wonderful way. Like he would help around the house. He he very much helped. He did uh, his, I mean, he cooked Uh, a a good amount. He would help my mom with the laundry. He would help with house cleaning and that kind of stuff. And he kept the outside of our home looking really, really nice. My dad was an incredibly hard worker. Uh, He grew up on a farm in Pennsylvania. And so he was a very hard worker. No problem in those areas at all. But my dad had some deep insecurities that he never dealt with. And he never allowed the Holy Spirit to change that. See, when he ran up against my mom in marriage, my mom, who is naturally stronger than him, caused him to become insecure. And instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to bring about security and to lay an incredible foundation in his life, he just never dealt with it. And because of that, he abdicated so much to my mom, and my mom ended up feeling isolated. Isolated and alone. You know, Holy Spirit, I know, I just, I just know where my spirit, Holy Spirit was saying to my dad, Roy. Would you allow me to replace that insecurity with my confidence? Would you allow me to replace those times when you're fearful, you don't know what to do, with a sense of my direction? Would you do that? And I'm confident if my dad would have done that, Holy Spirit would have shown up. He absolutely would. Now, your issue may not be insecurity at all. It may be the opposite. You might be incredibly confident. But are you being tender enough towards those people in your home? Is Holy Spirit maybe inviting you to be a little bit more tender, to be a little bit more caring, to be a little bit more grace-giving to the people in your home? Maybe the invitation to you from the Holy Spirit is, would you give up porn? Would you be willing to allow my power to help you in your area of anger management? Because when you get angry, everybody around you gets scared. Would you allow my Holy Spirit to work in the area of your addiction to alcohol or to drugs? Would you allow my Holy Spirit to come right to your place of need and let me fashion you into the person I originally created you to be? Would you do that? And that's an invitation from the Holy Spirit that's on the table. One last thing, very quickly. My parents, oh my goodness, they were horrible at money management. My mom was the CEO of a company. My dad was middle management in AT&T. They made plenty of money. But the problem is, once again, my dad abdicated that responsibility to my mom. And my mom, oh my God, she was, you know what she was trying to do? She was trying to heal her soul by spending more money. And as a result of that, their finances were a wreck. And, and coming out of that environment, I had to try and learn how to how to even think about money. Because I, I love my parents to death, but they never taught me any of that. So the third thing that the Holy Spirit, I think, was trying to say to them is allow God's money principles to guide your life. Some of you have got that down, and I celebrate that. Others of you, can I just encourage you? Exactly what Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Have a financial plan. Get into a Dave Ramsey class. Do something. Okay, now, I've said everything I've said so far today to end with this. One of the most profound statements I've heard in the last two years came from a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee. Her name is Alex Seeley. She's an incredibly wonderful woman of God. And Alex said this, and I'll never forget it. Whatever we don't allow the Holy Spirit to transform, we will transmit. Whatever we don't allow the Holy Spirit to transform, we will transmit to the next generation, which is exactly what Romans chapter 12, verse two says. Let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, I could be wrong, but my guess is is that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you throughout this message about the baggage that you came into your adult life with because of the home that you grew up in, and he's been whispering into your spirit some things that he wants you to shed, some areas that he'd like to change, some areas he'd like to transform so that you don't transmit them anymore. Maybe it's time to see a Christian counselor and work some of those things through. I beg you to do that. Maybe it's time to take an honest look at some of the areas in your life that you know are negatively impacting the people that you love around you. Maybe Holy Spirit right now is inviting you and saying to you, you think that area in your life cannot change, but the truth of the matter is, is nothing is impossible with my power. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. So I'm not above begging you to allow the Holy Spirit of God to bring into your spirit and your heart the transformation that he wants to bring. Would you take a few moments now and just think through that and invite Holy Spirit to bring change? And I promise you, if you'll actually look at the baggage and bring that before the Lord, he will transform it because he has the power to do it. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit of God, none of us are perfect except for you, Jesus. And because of that, none of us grew up in a perfect home. And because of that, all of us came out of our homes with some kind of baggage. And now as adults, we have a decision to make. Are we going to allow you to transform those areas in our life which may need a significant amount of effort to be transformed? Or are we going to transmit them to the next generation? God, regardless of the energy it's going to take to transform, you are a God who provides for all that. You're a God of limitless power. You can change us from the inside out. If that wasn't possible, then Romans chapter 12, verse 2 wouldn't be there. There wouldn't be an invitation to allow you to transform us by the renewing of our minds so that we could experience all that you have for us. Your invitation is on the table. Holy Spirit, help us not to believe anything except for your power and your grace that is abundant for us to live into. And I pray that today would be the day for many people to walk away from their baggage, to walk away from the things that have been slowing them down and to walk into all the freedom that you have for them as a transformed person by the power of your Holy Spirit working in our lives. For all that you do, we will give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: I count on one thing. The same God never fails, or will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. you working all things out. Oh, yes, I will you high in the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name, oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy, oh. In all
0: Aren't you so glad that you have a God that fights for you? So many times we can think of God as someone who kind of is absent or different or other than us, but to know that he is intimately involved in each battle and different things that are happening in our lives, hopefully is an encouragement for you today. And again, thank you for worshiping with us, for stepping into just this time of worship and the word and prayer as we have celebrated together. This has been such a great series about family and how we live in community with one another. We've heard story after story and people giving us feedback of how helpful it has been for them. And so if it has been impactful for you, we are so glad that God has been using it to speak to you. But we also want to let you know of a couple other resources to help you further along in your journey. You can always go to heritageqc.com watch and you can see past messages, you can rewatch different portions uh, to help you along on your journey. But just underneath each of those messages is you can click on and pull up the note guide. The note guide just helps you walk along with exactly what the communicator has said through that day, gives you all the fill-ins, all of the scriptures, all in one easy place. But even beyond that, usually on a second page right after that, there are a number of questions that you can dig deeper into the content of that message, as well as usually resources towards the bottom of that page. So today, if you were challenged by Pastor Chris's words and encouragement, and maybe you wanna learn a little bit more or dig a little deeper, I really encourage you to step in to that note guide area and follow along that way. Wanna highlight something for you very specifically. If you're an adoptive family or have that journey connected to you or to ones around you, we have a special conference coming up called RePlanted and that's gonna be on November 5th and 6th uh, at our Bridgepoint location. You can find more information about that on our website heritageqc.com or if you download the note guide you can click on the QR code, take a picture of that and it'll take you right to that conference and you can look up our location and connect in with us that way. Again we are so thankful for your partnership with us allowing us to bring hope and life and love to the Quad Cities and beyond. Have a great rest
2: of your day.